0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 87 of The True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So we hope this podcast finds you well and you are in the mood for some murder.
1: Yeah, we're ready to go. I, I did my breathing exercises. I am ready to go.
0: Yeah, that you've never done those before. No, so i never I was, done that though. It was pretty weird. <laughs> all right, you're right. But you're prepared and that's all that prepared. matters.
1: Brains focused up.
0: So starting off this episode, we just wanna get out that information that we always do in the beginning. So we want to say thank you. Thank you if you left us a review on any of the podcast listening platforms that you use. We really appreciate it. Um something really exciting happened. We got up to a thousand reviews on um iTunes. So yeah, it's that was exciting. Cool.
1: That was really cool. Not to mention the fact that it's been it's been overall positive, which is Which is always a plus.
0: Yes, more positive than negative, I'll take a 4.5.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And if you haven't left us a review yet, please do so. Uh, We love hearing from our listeners, and your support is always amazing. So you can do that wherever you listen to us. And of course, as always, we will be thanking our new and amazing uh, patrons at the end of this episode that have joined our Patreon page. And if you would also like to join, you can find us at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. Okay, John, are you ready? I'm always ready. Breathing exercises are going to work today. We're
1: good. (laughs) We're good to go.
0: So now this is a very interesting case, and it has completely polarized the town of McKeesport, Pennsylvania. In 1996, a 13-year-old girl completely fell through the cracks of a broken system. This young girl's disappearance goes relatively unnoticed until the body of another girl who was from the same area and was the same age was found in the town cemetery a few years later. In this episode, there will be a lot up for debate, but what is clear is that an economically depressed town, a complacent school and police department, as well as, for the first time, an uninterested media will come together to make the perfect disappearing act. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. You could categorize Tanya Cash's childhood into two categories, what she called the normal time period, which stopped around the time she was eight, and then the chaos that ensued afterwards. What sparked the change in her life was her mother's breakdown. When she was younger, she lived with her parents in Monongahela, Pennsylvania, which was located near Pittsburgh. Her father worked as a union butcher, and her mother worked at a McDonald's restaurant. The signs of mental illness with Tanya's mother began to surface around the time she was eight years old. Her father had gotten very sick, a serious case of pneumonia that landed him in the hospital for two weeks. During that time, the family did not really have a steady income. And despite that, Tanya's mother continued to shop impulsively. Something Tanya said she always kind of did But it was highlighted by the fact that her family didn't have money at the time. So it was kind of a little bit more obvious that this was something that her mother needed to do versus something that she wanted to do. And what it sounds like is this is kind of like um, maybe a manic episode because they do say that's one of like the signs of like someone being manic is impulsively shopping.
1: Right. It manifests in different ways for different people for sure.
0: Right, and in a short amount of time, she was able to build up a considerable amount of debt, which of course is going to cause tensions within her marriage. Tanya also said that her mother began to act weird, as she put it in her book, Memoir of a Milk Carton Kid, which is where we do get a lot of information about this case today. So Tanya does eventually write a book, which I just named, and she does several interviews, And there are also a lot of court documentation about this case. So all of those sources were used together to collect the information for this case. And then, of course, at the end, it's how we feel. So that's us. That's us. (laughs) So Tanya's mother would accuse people of stealing from her out of the laundromat. And she also repeated certain words and phrases over and over again. Tanya recalled one terrifying night where she actually lit fire to the coffee table and it caused a pretty serious fire in her living room, which is kind of scary, you know, because you want to feel safe with your parents, but your mom's doing this like extremely dangerous behavior.
1: Right. And it's it sucks because I guess it's just very unpredictable, you know, especially as a child. Like, what do you what do you do? You know, there's really no I don't want to say no escape, but. I just feel like that's that's a really hard uh, position to be in as a kid to watch your parent go through that and then be in that household.
0: Yeah, especially being eight years old because you do have no control over what's going on. Right. And one claim that Tanya is going to make, and of course we're going to use the word allegedly like a million times um, because there are continued lawsuits going on surrounding this case. Tanya says that her father is allegedly um, very complacent. And laid back so he never really stepped in or reacted to defend her, she felt. So he had kind of like a blasé attitude about the whole thing.
1: I'm sure there's a lot of people like that, you know. Yeah. I, you know, for whatever reason, it could be a bunch of different reasons why.
0: And this disturbing behavior is going to continue and escalate. Tanya's mother is going to begin having sex with men for money. The money went to shopping sprees, paying off past debts, and a newly formed addiction to alcohol. Tanya would often be the one in the house. Tanya would often be in the house while these sex acts were occurring, and she would also be there for the fights that her parents would get into afterwards. That's something that's very disturbing to see. Um, And of course, this is a form of child abuse, Um, your child watching this happen, if If it happened. And I think that, you know, some of the signs of sexual abuse do come out and stem from, you know, watching this happen with her mother.
1: Yeah. Also, not only that, but like you don't know who you're bringing home. Yes. So you're putting your child at risk again by not knowing who you're bringing home to your house because you don't know what's going to happen. They could leave and come back. Something could happen. Right. You never know. And so you're bringing strangers in your home.
0: Yes. Um, because you have to think and I'm, I might be making a wild assumption here, but a man who's willing to have sex with a woman with her daughter either in the room or in the next room and can hear it um, when he knows she's married and he's paying her for it might not be of the highest moral standards. No. One would just assume that.
1: You might be right.
0: Okay. I don't like making assumptions, but that one I'm pretty confident. <laughs> confident are you confident that.
1: with that one? Yes. I would be too.
0: Now, when you put all these symptoms together the paranoia, the repetition of words or phrases, and the impulsivity it seems like she may have developed schizophrenia. But of course, I'm not a doctor. But these are all the listed symptoms of schizophrenia. And unfortunately for Tanya's mother, She never got to see a doctor for this. And I think that that's really unfortunate and it came and stemmed from the fact that the family didn't have a lot of money and seeking the help of either a psychologist or even just a family physician really wasn't in the cards for them and the fact they were in tremendous debt. So it just seems like a really bad cycle.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And also, I mean, if she's going through all these things, she's probably not going to work. I mean, I'm assuming that she's not just because, you know, if she's doing all these other extracurricular activities and all the other things that she's doing, I don't think that she's probably going to work.
0: Well, she does maintain her um, job at McDonald's because Tanya does explain that her bus stop for middle school was outside of the McDonald's. So she did always find comfort with the fact that her mom was at work while she was waiting at the oh, bus stop. okay. All right. So she does maintain that job, but, I mean, unfortunately, minimum wage isn't going to help you support a child and pay off these tremendous debts.
1: That's a good point. I mean, the debts are pretty big. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just two, you know, average people just trying to make a living, so.
0: Yeah. And the father is working at the time. So like he's a union butcher. So he has a pretty decent job and he can pay most of the bills in the house. But the rest of the bills go to Tanya's mother's part-time job. So then that means like the debt just keeps snowballing. It's pretty big at this point. So the marriage of Tanya's parents fall apart from the time she's eight until she's 12. At that point, her parents seem to be living two completely separate lives. Her mother was never home. Tanya recalled begging her mother to spend time with her, but the woman was rarely ever present. Some nights Tanya would stay up until the early hours of the morning, waiting for her to come home. When she did come home, she was often drunk and would pass out. During this time, it was known that her mother was having an affair with another man. But what hurt Tanya the most was that her mother was starting to get aggressive with her as she had been with her father. She had on occasion hit Tanya. Around the time she was 13 years old, her parents got officially divorced. Her father did not want Tanya to live with her mother and a heated custody battle began in which Tanya was the star witness. She had to testify in front of her mother about her mother's mental condition. What she testified to was horrifying. Her mother had slammed her head into walls, choked her, kicked at her legs, leaving large bruises, and that once her mother waved a kitchen knife in front of her face, screaming that she was going to kill her. During this time, Tanya's mother had been involuntarily committed into a mental health facility. The court gave full custody to Tanya's father. This is just so heartbreaking for a 13-year-old girl.
1: I mean, yeah, to have to be the star witness of your own, um, like where you're going to be placed with who, you know, that's pretty rough. I mean, and it's so rare, I feel like, to get placed with the father over the mother. I mean, it's, it is it yeah. is what it is. But I mean, you have to think from hearing every little tidbit of information, there's no judge in their right mind that would put her back with the mom or, or you know, or with the mom, you know? Right. That's it, it's crazy. You can't.
0: Well, and I think that the evidence that was presented, probably not only from Tanya's statements, but others because I don't think they would make that decision based off of one witness, that she got involuntarily committed, which first we have to think is a good thing because she is getting the help that she needs because this is an onset of a bigger problem, I believe, because Tanya describes her relationship with her mother being extremely positive from the time... um, up until she's eight years old, and then the relationship starts to deteriorate. So something definitely happened in her mother's life where she needed to get help, but she didn't do so, and that her relationships with other people basically failed because she wasn't getting the help that she needed. Now, I do want to make it very clear that, and we always make a point to say this, that mental health issues are something that are really important and a sensitive topic to talk about. But when someone does have issues with their mental health or they've been diagnosed with any type of um, disorder, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to become violent like Tanya's mother did. I think that was the result of several other things and complications between their relationship and possibly the alcoholism. But those with mental health disorders are more likely to hurt themselves than others and i think sometimes because i do listen to so many true crime podcasts i always appreciate the ones that say this because it's important to know um, the truth about our mental health issues and not propel a stigma against them because there is already too much of a stigma against mental illness
1: yeah no that's true i i also feel like the one thing that would have changed this whole thing most likely is maybe if she was able to get treated or looked at uh you know way ahead of time like in the beginning of all of it oh yeah then it would have probably helped out a lot because the alcoholism all of the um spending and all and all of that those are all manifestations of her mental illness correct so if we were if they were able to i say we <laughs> or like <laughs> you reasons know, yeah. to like
0: like she drank to kind of counteract exactly. the feelings.
1: It's like almost like a self-medication. So right. um, I feel like maybe if she was a, would have been able to been seen and given medication or just be able to talk to somebody, that would have completely changed the outcome of this whole thing most likely.
0: Right? Oh, yeah, totally. And yeah, we're going to see <laughs> the effects of it all and what happened. Because, I mean, it's important to note here that Tanya wasn't saved because she didn't have the best relationship with her father. Um, when she told her father about the abuse that she had been suffering, she expected her father to get angry with her mother or sad for her or comfort her, just some type of reaction. But her father didn't give her one. He did initiate legal action and gained full custody, but there was never any steps towards healing his daughter. No therapy, no comfort, you know, just like we're moving to a different town and we're basically going to start over again.
1: Yeah, that's that's sad.
0: And you know, in this man's defense though, maybe he didn't know how to do those things and maybe he wasn't aware of like the resources that were out there. I mean, I think that's kind of obvious with the fact that he didn't um try and have his wife go through those resources. So I mean, cuz he can't not have health insurance because he's a union butcher.
1: Yeah, I, I would just say uh, in his defense, maybe, well, I, I, it's hard, right, because you don't ever want to, you know, put somebody in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative light or whatever. But I feel like for him, maybe it was just that he didn't want to put his wife in a worse situation, you know, like where now the kid resents the mom just solely on what the father has been saying kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be the father in this situation and trying to talk to your daughter about it. But then at the same time, you don't realize the negative effects you could be doing to the daughter by saying something about the other parent. Right. It's a slippery slope.
0: I know what you're saying. Like in situations of divorce, it always is better not to get your child involved. And maybe that's something he was trying to do. And also, I mean, you just have to think, it can't be easy supporting an entire household that's literally crumbling around you and understanding the complex emotions of a teenage girl, especially one that has been dealing with the aftermath of psychological, mental, and I think we can include sexual abuse and neglect. So I also have watched several interviews with Tanya's father and just my own opinion, which is my own and I don't have any background on like psychology or anything except for taking psych one Oh one in college. But, um, I feel like he is just kind of like I said before, like a blase laid back guy that isn't someone too. I don't think he gets over emotional. I think he he does have these emotions, but some people just don't know how to convey them or express them. And doesn't necessarily mean they don't feel like love or anger or hate, but they just don't have a way to show it.
1: How about this? Even we can take that a step further. This was back in nineteen ninety. What, like six? S- six. Okay, oh, so ninety six. Well, five. 95. That happened. Okay, so you have to think. I like this is that mold of a like. Oh, Wait, you know, <laughs> it. I you know it sounds dumb, but he's the type of man. There's a mold of a man. That's old school where maybe showing emotion is a sign of weakness.
0: Like blue collar. Correct. Yeah. Correct. No, I get He's it. a
1: blue collar dude in Pennsylvania. This is just, just the mold that he probably has been grown up like to know. Right. And that's how he carries out his life.
0: Right. If that emotionality and compassionate behavior and empathy isn't modeled, it's somewhat hard for you to do it yourself. Because I
1: guarantee you his father wasn't like that at all. Right. I mean, obviously, I don't know the guy's father. I'm just assuming, just based on age and the time period, that it's probably not. Of when he was brought up. Correct. Things are different now. so.
0: So now Tanya was 13 and moving to a new town with her father. He had joined a dating service and was, as Tanya put it, desperate to be with another woman. And through this service, he met a woman who was also divorced and with a child. Her father's new girlfriend had a seven-year-old son and insisted that they move in with her. They did. Tanya stated that she was alienated as soon as she walked into the house. She said that she was always excluded because of her bad behavior, in quotes, and her smoking habits. She said that while she was living in the house that she had her door removed from its hinges and she was never allowed to use the phone. In these times, Tanya looked to her father to stand up for her. But instead, he gave all the power to his new girlfriend and became completely resigned again. So she began to grow really resentful and she acted out, which is, you know, a very typical reaction from a young teenage girl when she feels as if her father isn't choosing her. And she's being mistreated at home, especially she's dealing with the after effect of her mother. I mean, Tanya does always explain that she still, even though there was that abuse that took place, she did recognize that her mother had a problem, not that she was necessarily um, a bad person that wanted to hurt her. So now she's really upset that her mother's also been taken from her life and is now in a state institution. So I just feel like there's been nothing done to help Tanya here and now she's put in another abusive situation
1: unfortunately it just always seems like when someone has something traumatic happen to them where it's really bad for them they just get put into another situation where it's just as bad or worse so it's like they it's like an endless cycle for people like that I feel like yeah
0: it's very sad yeah definitely now if there were ever a place to not act out in it was McKeesport Pennsylvania. Tanya was a new resident of a depressed town. At one point in history, the steel industry turned McKeesport into a booming city. The many mills created thousands of jobs for over 55,000 residents of the town. The many mills created thousands of jobs for the 55,000 residents of the town. Businesses flocked to the main street, and it was a happy place to live. However, in the 1970s, a recession in the American steel industry began. This was due to the fact that all mills in the United States were using out-of-date practices to manufacture steel, so the amount of time it took to produce one ton of steel in the United States was double that of the time it took in other countries. And because of this, it was hard for American markets to compete with their foreign counterparts and from 1973 until 2000, each year saw a steady decline in the jobs available in the steel industries. By 1984, McKeesport lost half of its residents. Because of this, the stores needed to close, homes couldn't be sold, and just like that, one-fourth of the town was made up of abandoned buildings. So I think that this creates an environment that is going to not be the best for Tanya when it comes to like school resources because this is going to affect the school. I mean, when things like this happen and there's economic depression in a town, it affects everything, including the school district, including the police department, just everything. And, And the resources aren't there. So if the resources aren't there and people are overwhelmed, the help that every student needs, like, like, the needs of the town and the students don't get met.
1: Right. And also for her mental health, for her mental health, because she can't really be social with anybody if like half the town's gone.
0: Well, like there's not a lot of people.
1: Right. So like, I mean, maybe it's nothing, but I'm just saying if half my town was gone, I'd be like, you know.
0: Well, no, think about it. 55,000 is a lot. I mean, I guess it is. So, I mean, I mean there's still... 55,000
1: people remaining?
0: No, there was 55, now there's half of that. But 25,000 is still a big population. It's just that a fourth of the town is abandoned buildings, yeah, you know homes, businesses. Right.
1: I mean, I grew up in a town that was only 10,000 people. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I guess you're
0: right. She'll have the people. I mean, it's hard to fit in. Jesus, you know, you started a new school in when you were 13. How hard was that?
1: Yeah, that was hard. That was hard also because I didn't know. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the town well at all because it's my first couple a couple of weeks there.
0: And you know what's really funny? It's actually really similar because you went from the city to in Hudson County. Right no, not Hudson County. It's, uh, well it's uh, Hudson Valley.
1: Yeah, it's Hudson Valley. Orange County.
0: So, you went from like a city school to like kind of like a country school. So, it was like two completely different things. And it's very similar here where Tanya went to a little bit, um, a town that was closer to Pittsburgh. McKeesport is also close to Pittsburgh, but a little bit um, different in its makeup. So, it was similar where it's kind of like it's a culture shock almost um, because she was going into an economically depressed town. And not saying Keysport is not a beautiful town and it doesn't have. It's charming features and it's like beautiful old homes. But it just was there was a boom because of the steel industry and it left. I mean, that's the reality for a lot of towns in in the United States. Um, So it was just kind of a culture shock for her. And it's hard to make new friends. Imagine if you're now feeling the weight of the world like this girl was feeling about what had happened with her mother the abuse that she suffered and now the fact that she's suffering abuse in her home with her father and her father's new girlfriend who's been given control of her life but doesn't like her.
1: Yeah, it really sucks. And you know what? Even though the story is about her, you know how the saddest part is that there's so many kids like her that deal with this on a daily basis. So that's the saddest part about the whole thing. It makes me think about that. Yeah. It's like how many kids just like her are affected like this.
0: Right. And you know what? Um... Like as a teacher, it's always good to think and I try to remind myself of this all the time that no matter how a student acts in school, like we really have no idea truly what goes on in these children's homes. So you have to kind of take a step back and think like, okay, a student might have acted out today, but we don't know what happened in their life or what, what their morning was like or like what their home situation is like. So you kind of always want to like take a step back and not get angry, you know, yeah, you have to you and, and have you want to help versus get upset and be offended. If someone's disrespectful in some way, 100 percent, you know. Yeah. So we'll see that there's a, it's approached a little bit differently. But before we get into that, we're going to take a break and hear from our first sponsor, Best Fiends. So it's October and that means costume tricksters and ghoulish beasts plus lots of candy, of course. Well, here is another treat. Even your favorite mobile puzzle game, Best Fiends, is getting into the Halloween spirit. You won't want to miss the spooky levels, outfits, and challenges Best Fiends puts on all month. It's just one more fun way to enjoy spooky season to the fullest. I love Best Fiends. I've been playing for over a year now, and my favorite thing about the game is how exciting it has remained. I am at level 920. I know, impressive. (laughs) And I'm so proud of it. It's exciting to advance to the next level and grow your family of bugs as you go. Best Fiends is truly boredom's worst nightmare. It is the infamously impossible to put down puzzle game that's free to download. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is the most fun you'll have on your phone. There are always more levels, events, and challenges added all the time. And currently, you'll love the new October edition. So play away. There's always one more level. Once you download Best Fiends, boredom won't stand a chance. So download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best fiends. Okay, so let's get back into the episode. So where we left off, Tanya was just about to start her new middle school. So she's starting her eighth grade year at Cornell Intermediate School. She was nervous and anxious to make friends. The friends she did have were left back in the town that she had grown up in. Like any other 13-year-old girl, she was craving attention and validation both of which she was not receiving at home. At her new middle school, she fell into a crew that were more focused on cutting class, drinking, and fighting. It is always shocking to me um, because the school I work at is like middle school attached to a high school, but like what the middle school kids get up to, like I'm I'm always shocked. I'm always like, what the heck? Like, they're doing that stuff? I feel like I was, like, eating dirt in, like, sixth grade. Like, (laughs) not doing what these kids were doing. So, I do always get shocked. So, like, but, you know, smoking, drinking, fighting, that is not something that I have not heard eighth graders do. So, I wouldn't say it's completely shocking.
1: Well, to somebody like you, who's actually a teacher, that probably not, but... Right, to normal people people, yeah that's kind of crazy
0: yeah i mean it's sad and shouldn't be happening but it is a reality so schoolwork was no longer a priority and she began to hang out with older kids and soon she became known for cutting class and getting into a lot of fights i mean but that's something that makes sense because it does seem like she has a lot of anger inside of her And at this time, she also began to run away from her father's girlfriend's house. Like she never called it her own house. Like it was her house was basically how she referred to it. She would often go back and be with her mother and attempt to get attention and love from her as well. And at this point, her mother was trying really hard to get her life back together because she had been released from the institution. She had been properly diagnosed. She was on medication, she was trying to make her life stable again. And the way that it was worked out within the court system was that if Tanya ever did try and return to her mother because r- whenever she ran away, she would try to go back to her mother's house, say, "Please let me live here. I want to live with you. Um, Dad's new girlfriend's horrible. Um, it, there was court documents and rules that were set in place that Tanya's mother, had to notify Tanya's father she's here um, and either Tanya's maternal grandparents would drop her back off in McKeesport or her father would come pick her up. So her mother had to notify her father. So she would tell Tanya, I'm trying to get my life back together. There's a lot of things I need to do. You need to live with your father for right now. But this was something that was really hard for the both of them, as I, anyone could imagine.
1: And she probably doesn't understand completely either, like what's going on and why the mother needs you know needs to send her back, right. so she can finish getting what she need you know the help that she needs. No,
0: I mean it's hard for a thirteen yeah. year old to understand. And again, it feels like uh, another desertion or denial.
1: Right, right. She thinks like she's being kicked out again. She's being rejected. Yeah.
0: So, when she was back in McKeesport, she began babysitting for a family down the street, the Churchfields. After some time, the father, Kevin Churchfield, began making inappropriate comments to Tanya. She claimed that he kept asking her to give him oral sex. She said she was repulsed by him and the idea of doing that to him. But at the same time, she did like that he was showing her attention. Because she was completely lacking that in her life. And this is a man that was like the same age as her father. So it was, you know, that really unhealthy um, need for older male attention. That's really unfortunate too. Yes. So she said that there was one incident where he told her to touch his genitals and she did. She recorded this moment in her diary. And her father's girlfriend, who often went through Tanya's room and read her diary read about the incident um, a few days after it had taken place. She asked Tanya what had happened and Tanya admitted to her and her father what happened with Kevin Churchfield. And this is her father does react with this. And it does show that he does care for his daughter um, in the way that I feel like he can. He has the capacity to do so. Um, He did go to Kevin Churchfield's house with a baseball bat and kept screaming for him to come outside. Kevin Churchfield refused to come outside and eventually the neighbors are going to call the police. So the police did respond to the call, but no charges were ever placed against Kevin Churchfield, even though Tanya's father and her um, told them about the sexual advances and the fact that he made her touch him nothing happened with that
1: that's interesting you would think that would be enough to at least get um maybe go down to the station kind of deal maybe and like just to talk and to see where that would lead them lead investigators is what i'm saying yes you would think that that would be enough
0: yeah yeah i would say so just to you know just to confirm
1: everything and just kind of go over the story just to see if there's any inconsistencies and then you know if everything checks out send them home you would think that would be at least enough for that?
0: Yes, I would say so, especially because this is something that he would... If he's doing this with one babysitter, he might do it with another. You know, right. be a repeat offender. Not to mention... He has children in his home.
1: Yeah, and if you're not guilty of anything, you wouldn't mind clearing your name.
0: Yeah, I would say yes. So after this incident, Tanya is going to run away from home several more times. And each time... um, This got worse and worse. And Tanya's father started not really wanting her to return to the house. Uh, Tanya's father's girlfriend said that she was setting a really bad example for her son. She really didn't want someone living in her house who wasn't following her rules. So they kind of were on the fence about whether or not they wanted Tanya to live with them. So it was actually the paternal grandparents, so her father's parents, that are going to be the ones time and time again to convince their son, let your daughter live with you. She needs you. That's just That's very really sad. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while this is happening, Tanya is seeking solace in a newfound friend at school. However, this was not one of her classmates. It was the 38-year-old security guard whose job it was to protect the students. His name was Thomas John Hose. He was actually born in McKeesport and still lived with his parents in the same house on Seoul Street that he grew up in. House has always wanted to be a police officer, but because he did not graduate high school, he was unable to join the force, which is why he went into private security. He wanted the power the police had, but knew it couldn't be achieved. So this is potentially why he became a security guard four middle school students he actually got the job at the cornell intermediate school a year before tanya started so he was also new to the district as well tanya first met hose a few weeks into school when he asked her for a hall pass she gave it to him and the two began joking with each other she thought that he was nice she had been told by her new friends that hose was actually mean, but to her, he was nice. And this made her feel special. From that point on, he would stop and smile or wink at her while she was in class. And he was in the hall, like passing, looking in the classrooms. He would ask her how her day was going. And this is just a small nicety, and I say that in total quotations, that no one in her family did like when she went home no one asked her about her day she had to like sit in her room but she didn't even have a door for privacy um she was yelled at she said constantly by her stepmother and this is all allegedly um but now this man is showing her like she would want her father to ask her how her day is but but thomas hose is
1: right and that's the only one that's giving her the attention and the support that she needs, which is unfortunate, because there needs to be. This is an alternative motive from this guy. It's got to be. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? It's not legit. It's not. It's not genuine. It's just all for all the wrong reasons. He's giving her attention like this. Yeah.
0: And it's really sad. Um, these predators, people who prey on children for whatever reason that they're doing so, they are very good. With spotting someone who feels this way, they ask questions and they kind of find out about the child so they know what to do, what to say to basically groom them into thinking that they are the ones that are providing what they need and their family isn't. It's an isolation factor as well. And it's really sad, but these predators are very intelligent and very good at doing things like this. And that's something that a 13-year-old girl is not going to kind of latch on to.
1: And I have this weird suspicion that this person, this probably isn't their first go at this. Maybe maybe I'm wrong because I don't know the story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it just seems like this isn't his first time.
0: He, uh, he seems like a, a little bit of a vet. Yeah. Tanya started to notice slowly that based on the questions he was asking her, he knew more about her life than she thought he did. When she asked him about this, he told her that it was his job to know everything about the students she was protecting. What Tanya did not know was that Hose had manipulated the guidance counselor. He told her that he wanted to help out Tanya and if he could read her files, he would be able to do so. This is how he knew about her life at home with her father and his girlfriend and her mother's mental breakdown and the sexual advance that she had once had from the neighbor that she babysat for. So he basically knew everything that was going on in her life. And I think this shows a few different things. I think this shows that he is very hyper-intelligent when it comes to grooming his victims to go as far as manipulating a guidance counselor who should have never given that information out because it is highly confidential. And then he's now going to use this against Tanya. So This has been a calculated attack on this 13-year-old girl, something that she is not able to combat at that age. So Tanya began to spend time with Hose in his office. He told her that she could call him Tom. And Tanya was flattered that Hose wanted to spend time with her and that he seemed to really care about her feelings and what was going on with her and her father and his girlfriend. He gave her all of the affection and attention that she was craving because he was grooming her. I also just want to interject here and say that I think that a lot of people have failed at this point. I think it's absolutely ludicrous to think that not one other staff member has not seen this security guard winking and paying way too much attention to a 13-year-old girl. Because if I ever saw someone wink at one of my students or pay a little bit too much attention, the first thing I would do would be to report that.
1: I mean, that's a lot. That's pretty good insight because you have to... Like, you're a teacher, right? So, like, that's... It's something that would, you know, catch you in the fields, so to speak, and make you go report it because you care for your students. Yeah. You know, um, not only that, you have to think that not only did the faculty fail, not only did um, the parents fail, but also... The police, too, for never reporting the first person that uh, like that uh, assaulted her, abused her, like,
0: oh, yeah, and we're only just getting started, yeah, like and th- don't everybody. forget the guidance counselor who just gave all of her confidential files to her abuser,
1: yeah, like where's the how does the how is the uh, even the employer, the school district
0: it was a one way ticket right into her mind,
1: seriously, seriously, like like who is accountable here?
0: well, it continues, don't worry,
1: <laughs> oh my God.
0: So he knew what to say to endear her to him, and Hose explained how he also had issues with his own parents, and she felt very connected to him because of this. Over time, Tanya said that she developed feelings for him. She thought she had fallen in love with him. One day, she wrote a note that expressed her feelings, and she gave it to Hose. He responded to her by smiling at her in the hallway and asking her if she would be sending more letters to him. Tanya, in her book, related writing letters to him like writing in her diary. She felt as if she could tell him anything and everything, and she did. She told him that she loved him. Hose and Tanya began to spend more time together during school hours. They would walk around the school together when she was supposed to be in class and the two would talk for hours. This is when Tanya started getting into fights at the school and it was Hose that often came to her rescue, breaking up the fights and not reporting them so Tanya would not get in trouble. He would ensure her that she would always have hall passes so she wouldn't get in trouble for missing class. Tanya said that at the time she was so in love and she felt so special walking through those halls. She really thought that her and Hose were having a secret love affair. In reality, a love can never exist between a 38-year-old man and a 13-year-old girl because it, she doesn't have the capability to do that. And he's abusing her. This is abuse.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. The, the thing is, though, is, yes, yeah, she is not capable but her situation and her like her whole life has made it capable because she's never received that right i, I mean yeah totally different loves here i know we're like but no what I'm you're right is like it's 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 manifested into like it being possible because she's lacked this her whole entire life all the people that were supposed to be there to comfort her and and to you know tell her that she's doing great and yeah, you know, lift her. You know, to lift her up and put her in a good, you know, position has failed her. So this one, like psycho, like loser, has, like, really inserted himself in her life, and that's all she knows now.
0: Yeah, and it's really sad. But when she reflects back, she, um, and in her book where she wrote this, she knows how obvious it must have been that the two of them were having an inappropriate relationship, and. And the whole school had to have known. I mean, the school was, and she recalls this, full of rumors about Hose and Tanya. The staff, administration, other students, security guards, everyone knew about this. So I know you're thinking, what the heck? Did the school ever get involved? Well, there's a long and a short version. But the answer in the end is no. Nothing was ever done. Um, There were times that like um, the vice principal would try to do something like move Tanya's schedule so her classes were never around where he was stationed at like the front desk of the school. But I think doing that is an admission of knowing that something inappropriate was happening. Um, They did try and talk to hose, but obviously if he manipulated the guidance counselor, he did. Um, successfully manipulate administration by saying oh this girl's just in love with me she's got a crush on me but i really care about her because she has a really bad family situation so what i'm trying to do is basically help her out um listen to her and they i don't think they believed it but i think it was convenient to believe it and easier
1: i i mean i agree because I would have I would have been if I was the principal of the school or the superintendent or anything I would have been like your job is to like police this place not worry about the welfare or the you know of the of the children and get to know them
0: Right that's a job of you know guidance counselors yeah, teachers, exactly. teachers guidance counselors school teachers psychologist. school psychologists yeah
1: like there's no need for you to do that so uh stay in your lane Yeah you know I at least be reprimanded for like stepping out of your role and your job
0: Yeah I completely agree with you. Um, I think this happened because Ho's work to cover his tracks as well. Um, And the administration just basically treated it as don't ask, don't tell. And at the time, the principle was actually like a leave replacement principle, like an interim principle. So I think that also is going to contribute to the fact that nothing was really um, handled here. So at this point, Tanya should have totally been, and, you know, from a school perspective, flagged as an at-risk student. She was always in fights. She was never in school. When she was, she was cutting classes. She was performing poorly. And she was a runaway. She should have been referred to her school's program for remediation for at-risk students. Or at least that's what should have occurred according to Pennsylvania state law in 1996, but it didn't. So they are actually breaking the law by not um, submitting her as an at-risk student. It seemed like they really wanted to get her out of district as quickly as possible. And we're going to see that soon. So Tanya was now calling Hose on a regular basis outside of school. And this is when their relationship began bleeding out beyond the exterior of cornell intermediate school and it's going to cross over into real life there was even one occasion when tanya and her friend visited hose on his front porch for that christmas in 1995 hose bought her a necklace this was in addition to the money candy and cigarettes that he was buying for her shortly afterwards tanya got into a fight with one of her friends Of course, Hose was right there to break it up. He took Tanya for a walk and kissed her finger that was bleeding and hugged her. At this point in Tanya's mind, she's getting everything from Hose that she felt she had never received from anyone in her family. Things began to escalate quickly after this. Hose was talking to Tanya more frequently about her attempts to run away from her father's house and live with her mother. She told him that the last time she had tried to do this, she got tripped up on which bus that was going to get her there. So he sat with her and planned out the correct bus route to take her. Um, and he even gave her the money that she would need for all the bus tickets. When Tanya ran away that time, she did get to her mother's house more easily. Well, really like her maternal grandparents house, because that's where she was staying at the time. So uh, Tanya's mother and aunt were living with their parents at the time. So while she was there, Tanya's mother introduced Tanya to her new boyfriend. And again, now she feels like her parents are again choosing whichever partner they were with over her. She explained to Tanya that she was going to be moving into his house and would later get married. Tanya was not fond of the man. While at her grandparents' house, she actually called Thomas Hose and let him know that she did not like her mother's boyfriend and that her mother had told her that she could not come live with them. He would not accept that, meaning the boyfriend. Oh, okay. Again, she was rejected. And her first call was to Hose. Her grandparents drove her back to her father's house. There, things continued to get worse, and school with Hose... Became her only solace. Okay, we're gonna pause here for a word about our final sponsor of the show, Simply Safe. Every 26 seconds, there's a break in in this country. But with Simply Safe Home Security, you can protect your whole home around the clock. It's serious, lasting protection. And all it takes is a simple 30 minute setup. You'll even get a free security camera when you protect your home today. More on that in a second. As you all know, we just bought our first house. Safety, with all the true crime facts I have in my head, was really important to us. I loved how quick and easy it was to set up Simply Safe. And within minutes, I had a peace of mind that we and our house were being protected. Simply Safe is an award winning arsenal of sensors and security cameras that blankets every inch of your home you'll know your home and family are always safe. You set Simply Safe up yourself in a few minutes without any tools or wiring. No technician or salesperson has to step foot in your home. Then Simply Safe will monitor your home around the clock with security professionals who are there in case of an emergency to immediately send help to your home. Plus, there's no contract, no hidden fees and no installation costs that's why us news and world report named simply safe best overall home security of 2020 right now visit simplysafe.com/couple and get a free security camera plus a 60-day risk-free trial with any new system order there's nothing to lose go today to simplysafe.com/couple Again, that's simplysafecom couple. All right, let's get back to the show. So this brings us to January of 1996. Hose had found the spot where Tanya and her friends would go when they cut class. It was under the stairwell by the gymnasium. When Hose found her, he kicked her friend out and met her back under the stairs. In her book, Tanya described this like a scene from a movie. It was like slow motion, and the two kissed, and he began to touch her all over her body. The only thing that tore them apart was a school bell. In reality, this was a sexual assault of a minor, as a 13-year-old girl is not capable of giving consent to a 38-year-old male. She believed it was romantic because he had groomed her to think so. And this event happened several times over the next month. Finally, on January 28th, 1996, Thomas Hose was going to put his plan to the test. Hose asked her to come over his house to watch the game, meaning the Super Bowl. His elderly parents were not going to be home, but his son was. Yes, Hose had a son. He had a son from a very short-lived marriage who lived with him and his parents. Hose shared a room with his son. The house was extremely cramped, and to make matters worse, it was overpacked with unneeded things. Hose, like I said, shared a bedroom with his son who actually slept on the floor, and this was on the second floor of the house, while his parents stayed mostly downstairs. Tanya said that Hose's parents and son Listen to everything that he said. Like, basically, even though he lived with his parents, it was like he was the one that kind of controlled and ran the house. But that seems to make sense. I mean, this is a man who wanted to be a police officer. He couldn't be. So he spends his time patrolling middle schoolers and his parents and son. That's what I got from that. Yeah. So when Tanya came over for the Super Bowl... Hose told his son to basically keep his mouth shut about her visiting, and he agreed. Tanya ended up staying the night at Hose's house after he convinced her to do so. She wrote in her book and in her diary as a child that she had enjoyed the night and felt like someone loved her for the first time. Now, after the game, once Hose and Tanya were already in bed. His parents came home. Um, That was the first time that he raped her. Tanya could not obviously just leave the next morning. So Hose told her to stay up in his room while he was at work, the school that she was supposed to be attending. And she did. She hid up in the wood-paneled room covered with sports memorabilia. She used a bucket to go to the bathroom in until he returned from work. Once he did, he took Tanya to one of his friend's houses, Judy Sokol, and told her that Judy was going to provide her with a place to live until she figured out where she could go to get away from her father and his girlfriend. Tanya stayed with Judy for eight days. In that time, Tanya opened up to Judy about her life and the problems she had with both of her parents as well as the feelings that she had for Hose. Just catching on that the relationship between the now 14-year-old girl and her friend, whom was almost 39 years old, Judy probably should have alerted the police about this.
1: Yeah, I think so. Once again, another another standby person that a standard... What do you call that? Stand... What's the word? <laughs> like someone that just sits stands a there a bystander a bystander yeah, oh my god you know i couldn't even think of that right now it's
0: okay. hey what do you to
1: uh, but anyway a bystander another one that just yeah. just doesn't do anything like um it's just mind blowing to me that so many people have not done anything to help this girl at all it's it's actually sickening to me
0: yeah it's um it's really sad So Judy told her that because her situation was so bad that she should leave her house with her father and she should try to live with her mother. She told Tanya that her mother would eventually make room for her because she really probably doesn't know everything that's going on with her father and her stepmother. So what Judy is saying to her is stay with me for a while. Then go to your mother, tell her the truth about what's happening with your father and his new girlfriend, and then she'll definitely take you in. So that's what she's trying to convince Tanya of. So after those days were up, Tanya ended up calling her aunt for a ride to her mother's house. Her aunt sent her husband out to get her. Tanya said that during the drive, her uncle made a sexual pass at her and she told him no. He did not try again. That's just sickening.
1: What is wrong with everyone here?
0: Well, I just feel like sometimes um, sexual predators really can spot a victim. And oftentimes people who are sexually abused have been sexually abused more than once in their life.
1: That's really sad.
0: Yeah. So once she got to her mother's house, her mother returned her again to her father and his girlfriend. And at that point, Tanya had been missing for 10 days. 10 days.
1: 10 days and no one has even thought to look for her.
0: Well, they knew she... They just figured she ran away. They never made a police report. So when she got home, she told her father about what her uncle had done. Both her father and his girlfriend told her that um, they thought she was lying and that she just wanted attention. So this was kind of a breaking point for Tanya, where she again is going to try and reach out Really, the only time she got a reaction from her father was when she told him that she had been sexually abused by the neighbor. And I think she was just really um expecting that same reaction, craving it almost. And uh, it wasn't given to her. And I think that that is finally what is going to push her away. So after this event, Tanya gets very seriously affected and she is going to make a call that is going to affect the next 10 years of her life. She returns to her father's house, but only for four days. After that, she leaves again, but this time she won't be returning. And I just, you know, my heart just breaks so much for her because I feel like this has been such a tragic childhood. You know, your time up until you're 13 years old, should be filled with nothing but happiness, and I feel like she really never even had slivers of it.
1: Yeah, I mean this this kid hasn't had a chance to be a child, number one, and enjoy all of that. But also, there's just she hasn't had, been able like to to grow into herself and like to enjoy the world for everything it has to offer. Like it's just so sad to see that. And like I said before. It's like there's so many, you know, other children like her that go through similar situations. And that's so sad to see. It breaks my heart every time. You know, it really, really does.
0: It is really sad. And the thing about this case, and this is the reason why, you know, we're breaking it into a part one and a part two, is because Tanya's story from this point on is truly devastating it gets worse and there's even the possibility that hose is a serial killer so there's so much more detail and there's so much to go into that we really wanted to break it into two parts to do the story justice another thing that is very interesting is as i mentioned in the beginning of this episode is this case has polarized the town of mckeesport and as you can tell from what we've covered, it might be from a defensive standpoint. But again, we are taking a look at the victim here because that's who we love to support. And she's 13 years old.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The reason also for two parts, in my opinion, too, is also because you have, you have two lives here. You have her life from the beginning
0: to... Prior to pr- captivity. <laughs>
1: Correct. And now we have... The second, which is her captivity into the future, which we'll get into in part two. But it's like, yeah, like there's there's two lives to cover here and two stories to cover here. Yeah. So it's kind of, in my opinion, a necessity. Yeah, I completely
0: agree. But before we go, the one thing I wanted to do was thank our Patreon supporters for everything they do. Thank you for donating to us. We've got a lot of people to thank. So... I'm going to just start by thanking Stacey Vandas and Kayla, who donated and then upped her pledge to $5, Nicholas Suzuki, Sarah Ann Brackett, she upped her pledge to $10, thank you so much, Maggie Sharon, Gwen Molliscon upped her pledge to $5, Karen, Rachel Heather Lee Lang, Lily Burke, Dan in Oregon, Leah Fuchs. Kelton, Chantel, Lori Smith upped her pledge, Tara, Emma Barnhouse, Amanda Prow, Emily Haney, Callie Kobayashi, Amanda Winters, F. Livingston upped their pledge $5, Molly, Robin, Sarah O'Halloran, James Harrington, and last but not least, Jacqueline Mohica because I pronounced her name last t- wrong last time and this time I killed it. So yeah, this was your redemption. <laughs> this so. is my redemption. <laughs> but we really really just want to thank everyone so so much because we you know the only reason we can continue doing this is because you guys are helping support us so you are our producers basically.
1: basically. Yeah. And we just love what we do, so we want to continue to do that. Um, you know, I kind of said the same thing about uh, to the Patreons uh, yesterday. Um, but it's true; it's like we love to do this, and you are our driving force from the beginning. So, thank you for
0: that. All right, and um, of course, we will be releasing part two tomorrow on Monday, so you won't have to wait long for your part two. And then you're going to be getting your scary stories episode. So don't worry; you're getting. Two more episodes for the month of October.
1: We're going. We're going for it. Yes, we're, we're doing it.
0: <laughs> All right. Until tomorrow. Bye, guys.
1: Bye, guys.